Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who, just five years into my legal career, found myself questioning, why work so hard to barely be squeezing life in? So that I wouldn't become yet another attorney burnout statistic, I decided to redefine success on my terms from the inside out, which is what enabled me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating my way through the challenges of two kids and two bed rests, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I'm on a mission to help you do exactly that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Well, hello, hello. This is Heather Mulder, host of the Life in Law Podcast. And as per usual, I'm super excited to have you with me here today. Today, we are going to cover a topic that is near and dear to my heart. It is around this whole idea that hard work is necessary. Hard work is all you need to succeed in your legal career and in life in general. And although I am a big believer that hard work is important and often necessary, I think we often take this idea and take it to a new level, a a level that is not helpful to us and is one of the big reasons so many of us lawyers who tend to be hyper-competitive and incredibly high-achieving people, so many of us lawyers end up burnt out. This is one of those things that I see a lot in my clients who come to me who are either in burnout or close to burnout. They're highly stressed. They've lived in a state of chronic stress for a very long time because they have adopted this mantra of hard work is what matters. And although, yes, hard work does matter, we translate it into all I need to do is work, 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 work. That's what I need. And we never take breaks and we never give ourselves rest and then we end up working on the wrong things too because because we're not taking breaks, because we're not stepping back, we don't take time to really analyze what might be going wrong, what could be done differently, where might we be able to make things easier for ourselves because there is always a way to make something easier. doesn't necessarily mean it's not still hard work, but it doesn't have to be as hard. Because we don't step back and take those moments to really review what we're doing, we end up doubling down to the point where we're exhausted and not getting the results we really want or should be getting based on how hard we're actually working. So a couple of things to note. Number one, I mentioned just now or just a couple of minutes ago that Taking breaks is really important. And I had an entire podcast on taking breaks and not just any breaks, right? Not just once you push yourself to exhaustion, okay, I need a break, but having pre-planned, pre-defined breaks and taking them no matter what, because there's research to back that up, y'all. So if you have not listened to that episode, I want you, after listening to today's episode, to highlight, to market, to bookmark it, and go back and listen to it soon. Because it's a really important one, and it's one that not many lawyers 
utilized, like the concepts behind it, okay? You want to really listen to that, get behind the research, understand the why, so that hopefully that will convince you to actually do what I'm talking about, okay? So I will put a link to that episode in the show notes. Be sure you've listened to it. And even if you have, perhaps you listened to it when it first came out, maybe it's time to re-listen to it. There is no harm in re-listening to stuff. And just something to note here, oftentimes we hear different things at different times based on where we are, what are what's going on in our lives, where our headspace is. And so it definitely helps sometimes to go back and listen to episodes, even if you found them really informative and really helpful at the time. There may be something different that you get out of it at another time. So if you did listen to that episode, and regardless of what you got out of it, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it, especially if you did not or are not currently utilizing all of the tactics and strategies that we talked about in that episode. I want to go into this whole work hard myth that we here in the United States in general, and especially as high achievers and even more so us lawyers seem to have adopted for our lives in general. We think that we must work hard. And again, yes, we got to work hard. Hard work is part of success. But it's not enough to just work hard, right? I want you to ask yourself a question. Are you doing the right work? Again, are you doing the right work? Because at the end of the day, if you're not doing the right things to move you forward, then working hard on all the wrong things isn't really going to get you very far. Might even backfire on you, might make things worse for you. So let me give you a common example that I see, and this especially comes up in my clients when it comes to business development. So they work hard at a million different things, and yet they don't get the return on their investment. They're spending a lot of time, sometimes a lot of money on their business development efforts when they first come to me, and they don't understand why it's not reaping big enough rewards. And sometimes it's not doing much at all for them. So that could be an example of doing the wrong things. Or maybe one thing within their strategy or plans isn't wrong, it's right, but because they're trying to do a million different things, they're not devoting enough time to the right things and spending a lot of their time on the wrong things. So that would be an example of what I'm talking about. Hard doesn't necessarily mean right. Just because you're working hard doesn't mean that it's going to bring a reward because you need to ensure you're using the right strategies, you're doing the right work. Another example of this when it comes to just practicing law is I remember as a younger lawyer, I would sometimes be afraid to ask questions. I didn't want to show myself as not knowing, which <laughs> when you think about it really wasn't very smart because I was young. I was, you know, I didn't know a lot. There were a lot of senior associates and even paralegals who could help. And then, of course, partners, depending on, you know, what the topic was, what the project was, and what the question I had was. There were different people that I could go to for help, but because I didn't want to seem 
dumb and like I didn't know anything, I did not ask enough questions early on. And this probably went on probably the first three to four years of my practice, which really, really hurt me. So I ended up spending a lot of time on things I didn't need to. I worked my butt off. I, I billed a lot of hours. And for a while, some of those hours got written off because I was, I was doing work I didn't need to do. Work I could have handed off to others. Work that had already been systematized. We talked about systematizing last week on the podcast with guest Allison Williams. If you haven't heard that, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it because systemization is about putting processes and procedures in place and you must utilize other people to help you with that. So you want systems in place because they save time, they save energy, and they also make it easier to delegate things, get things off your plate and to other people. Well, there were systems in place that I didn't even know about sometimes with paralegals, with you know secretaries, and I wasn't utilizing them appropriately. And I did these things because I was not asking questions. I did not understand that there were already systems in place. And I would have had I asked a couple of simple questions about how do we go about doing this? What are we doing? You know, who could I talk to to help me? That kind of thing. Sometimes I would be given projects and I really didn't want to look dumb. And I thought I understood the issues. But if I just asked a question or two to ensure I understood the issues really well, I would have realized that I didn't and that I needed more information. And so because I didn't do that, I went off on, you know, a tangent <laughs> on the wrong path and researched things that ended up not being very helpful. And so those are examples of when, yeah, I was working hard, but I was working hard at all the wrong things. Or I was, you know, doubling efforts that people had already done that didn't need to be done. And so my time, energy, etc., were wasted. Hard doesn't necessarily mean right. And what happens is we tend to get so caught up in working hard and just keep going and pushing and doubling down that we don't step back and say, wait a second, am I doing the right work? Am I doing the right things? Is there somebody else who could help me? Is there somebody else who has, you know, answers to questions what questions do I need to be asking myself? Do I understand the issues appropriately? There's a lot, it very much depends on what we're talking about, but you could see how we go off on these tangents and we get lost and then we just waste ourselves and it's so meaningless and it's not just exhausting, but it's devastating when we find out later that we could have saved ourselves a whole lot of time and energy, Right? So if you are doing something that feels extra hard because you're logging a ton of hours on it, right, I want you to step back and really ask, okay, am I really doing the right things? Am I doing the right work? Is there a way to do this more simply? Is there somebody who could help? Are there questions that I need to be asking? Now, this does not mean that doing the right work, that getting your questions answered, that utilizing systems, procedures, delegating some things off of your plate, all of those things, doing those things correctly does not necessarily mean that work won't feel hard. 
I want to highlight that because there is this myth and I don't see it as much in the legal world. We tend to make everything overly complicated and incredibly hard. But I do want to address this because I see this a lot in my area with coaches and when coach speak comes in. Do it with ease. Make it feel easy, right? And so there's this myth that things should always be easy, that things should feel good all the time. And that's, I hate to break it to you, not true. (laughs) It's just not true. And I I have to admit, I've been guilty of saying this myself um, at times. And and I think, you know, sometimes when we say that, we don't really mean everything's going to feel great all the time and that it's going to be super easy. I think there is a difference, though, in doing things as simply as possible because it does make it easier on you so that your hard work doesn't have to feel outrageously tough. Um, Getting help, using systems, asking the right questions, all of that makes it easier, not necessarily easy. And then there's this also this concept of getting into a state of flow. I don't know that I've ever said it this way. This is also coach speak, but there is something real to it. So you, if you run, you know this, and really any type of hard exercise, a lot of times you get into this state where you push yourself to a point and you just keep going where you get kind of a high and it almost starts to feel a little bit easier because of that high. It doesn't mean that you're not working hard. It doesn't mean that it doesn't even feel hard at all. It doesn't feel quote unquote easy peasy but it feels better. It feels good. You get energy from it. And so that's kind of what the state of flow is. If you've ever worked on a big project, maybe you're drafting a document or a brief or, you know, maybe even when you're negotiating. I used to do this when I negotiated and just felt on, right? Like everything was easy feeling. And it's not that I wasn't doing hard work, but I was in a state of flow where I was really in my element and felt really good about it. And so it gave me extra energy. That's what the state of flow is. And so that can and does exist. And that's really where you want to get as much as possible. And you get there by utilizing, you know, by understanding yourself really, really well, understanding your skills, what you're good at, how you enjoy doing those things, understanding your unique strengths. I've talked about strengths before. Strengths aren't necessarily skills. They are kind of inherent attributes that you have, like traits that you have that make you better at certain things. They're kind of the the things that make you the go-to person for certain types of advice or work, right? Because of these strengths that you have. Those, if you understand them, and you utilize them as much as you possibly can within your day-to-day job, your day-to-day work, within, you know, how you deal with clients, how you manage a team and other people, how you develop your business. If you do those things, then it does help you get into a state of flow more often and things will feel easier. But again, it doesn't mean that you will never feel like things are hard because let's face it, what we do for a living as lawyers, it's hard work and it's time consuming, which is hard. And sometimes, you know, circumstances are such that it's not going to feel as good and that's okay. 
All right. And I I just want to make that really clear. The other thing I would say is you're going to make mistakes. You're probably even going to fail sometimes at some things, right? And that's okay too. That's just part of life. It's part of your career. It's part of building a practice of your own. You're going to not always do things perfectly or even perfectly right. Maybe you're going to make a decision that you later regret. All of this is a learning process. And so all of that is going to make things feel hard from time to time. And that's okay too, so long as you're honest about it. And so long as when you're honest about it, the whole point of being honest is so that you can then identify, okay, what were my mistakes? Where did I mess up? And what do I want to learn from this? How do I take that and move forward proactively so that I don't make the same mistake again? All right. So another thing that I wanted to highlight is that sometimes you're going to work really, really hard. You're going to work really hard on the right things. You're going to feel good about it. And yet you don't necessarily still get the result you want because you don't always have control. <laughs> you do not always have control over the outcome. There is this thing that we, we like to pretend, and us lawyers are really guilty of this, especially. We like to pretend that if we just do all the right things, put in the utmost effort that we can put in and just work our butts off, that the end result will be exactly what we want. But that's just not how life works. Because sometimes other people, they work even harder. Sometimes other people don't, but they still take your glory. Sometimes things just aren't fair. Sometimes there are circumstances that get in the way. Sometimes you just can't control, right, the final results. I mean, we, I think, rationally know this. I mean, think about it this way. Sometimes you just have a really tough case. Or if you have a deal that you're trying to get closed and your client really wants to get a particular provision revised in their favor, and yet you can't get the other side to budge. It's not always up to you. Other people come into play. Other people's opinions and analysis come into play, and you cannot control that. All you can control is what you put in. And so even though you work your butt off, even though you ask the right questions, even though you put in the time doing the right work, you still may not get the result you want. And that's really hard to accept, but it's true and it's just something we have to acknowledge and accept. The thing I would say when that happens is you can still gain benefit from it by looking back and saying, okay, what have I learned? Is there anything knowing what I know now that I would change if I had this to do over again. Because sometimes you just don't know certain things. And after the fact, you're able to look back and learn something from it. So I think it's always important to ask that question. And then also, you know, what can I learn from this result and this failure that has nothing to do with me, but, you know, what do I want to take from this? I struggled. It was hard. I haven't gotten the result I wanted. There's not much I could have changed, but I'm going to take something from it and move forward with it positively. 
So that's something else that I really recommend in those situations because usually you can still take something that you're proud of, something that you know you know you put in your best. You are now not getting the result you wanted, but yet handling it as best you can. How do you want to take that and move forward and feel good about what you did? All of this will help you to kind of let go of the disappointment because the disappointment is still going to be there, right? But when you look at it this way, it helps you work through that and let go of it and move on more quickly. Because the last thing you want to do is over-obsess on it and keep it with you. Because what happens when we do that is it then impacts our decisions and how we move forward and the work that we do on other things, which you don't want because that's not going to help you. It's going to hinder you. Now, you might be asking, okay, so hard work isn't enough. I need to ask myself, am I doing the right work? And a whole host of questions, right? But yet you're telling me, Heather, that even then, even if I ask the right questions, even if I'm doing the right work and I work my butt off, I still may not get what I want. So what's the point? What's the point? Why work so hard? And I would say, look, success isn't about getting everything you want. Figuring out you made mistakes, learning from those, giving your all again, working hard again, making sure you're doing the right things, and yet still not getting the result you want. They're a big struggle, but you're going to grow through these. And they're the lessons and the things that you need to be doing to ultimately succeed as a professional and as a human. Pretty much everything that's worth having includes struggle. And struggle, struggle is what helps you grow. It's what pushes you. And so I want you to remember that. It is definitely still worth it. And sometimes it's important to remind ourselves of that. Because there is no point in getting to a place where you've worked hard You've done all the right things. You've asked all the right questions and you still don't get what you want. And so then you doubt yourself and you ask yourself, well, was this really worth it? And decide it wasn't. I would say yes, it still was worth it because you grew through that struggle. So identify again, what was that growth? What does that struggle mean for you now? How do you want to utilize it moving forward? Success is not about achieving every single thing you set out to achieve. It is not about getting every single good result that you want to get because nobody gets that. It's impossible, y'all. It's impossible. What success is about is about putting your best foot forward, asking the right questions, working hard, and then growing as you go. It is more about your input than the output. And just note that no, you're not going to get the output you want every time. But I guarantee that if you think this way and you work this way, both within your legal career, in growing your practice, if you're a private practice lawyer, in managing your team, whether you're in-house or in private practice, if you look at it this way. No, you won't be successful at every single thing, 
but overall, you're going to achieve more. Now, something else I want to make really, really clear. Just because something is hard and something is a struggle does not mean you can't enjoy yourself. You can have fun through the struggle. Let me say that again. You can have fun through the struggle. And this is part of asking yourself, am I doing the right work? Am I working hard at the right things? When you utilize your strengths, when you utilize your skills in ways that are fun for you, but you enjoy, yes, you're still going to struggle. Yes, it's still going to be hard because we do hard things, but it's more fun. It's more enjoyable. So a good example of this is like business development. Private practice lawyers, you know, (laughs) but I think the best way to have control over your practice and your life is to build your own book of business. But that's not enough. So this is a good example of are you doing the right work? So my methodology is to teach my clients to tap into their values, understand what they are, set goals that are values-based, and ensure that the industry that they're in and the clients that they go after are compatible with who they are as people, with their personality and their values. That's number one. You want to be working with people that you enjoy, right? Secondly, I teach them to understand what they're good at, their skills and their strengths, and how to leverage those within their client development efforts. And to really hone in on just one or two main strategies. One of the biggest mistakes that a lot of lawyers make, just FYI, is they try to do too many things. And you don't need to. That's too much work, which means you're doing the wrong kind of work when you're trying to do too many things. Maybe one of those strategies is all you need. That would be the right work. The right work would be honing in on that one strategy. And that one strategy really needs to leverage your own strengths because that's what makes it more fun. That's what makes it more interesting. That's what makes building your business using the strategy that leverages your strengths a good kind of challenge, right? So that you don't feel like it's a total slog. So this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. You can still enjoy yourself. And I got to (laughs) say, for those of you who are in private practice trying to grow your business or wanting to grow your business, doing it that way, making it more enjoyable is what helps you to be more consistent because consistency is key. You're not going to grow your business if you're not consistent in your efforts. And you're not going to be able to measure your return on your investment if you're not consistent. Consistency allows you to measure, which allows you to then to understand what is and is not working and tweak as you go. And for those of you who are interested in more of that, just note that I have a a workshop, a free workshop coming up about how to improve your client development ROI. There will be a link in the show notes for how to register. I highly recommend you go do that. It is this week, actually, this Thursday, I think. And for those of you who are listening to this post, good news, you can still get your hands on it. So once the, I highly recommend if you get to this in time that you register for the live event because that will give you a chance for questions and to get your questions answered. But I will be recording it. 
and I will try to get it out there so that people can um, register to just view it after the fact too. But for those of you um, who are listening to this prior to September 15th of 2022, you're going to want to register for this if this is something that, you know, you're looking to do more of, to grow your business and you'd like to, you know, increase your return on investment and not spend so much time doing it, highly recommend you attend the free workshop. So look for that in the show notes. I will have a link to it. So if you're doing the right kind of work and you're leveraging your strengths and you're using your skills in a way that you enjoy, it's a good kind of challenge. It's more enjoyable. You might still struggle. It might still be hard work. But the struggle isn't so hard. It doesn't feel like a slog. You can have, you know, some enjoyment in it. Now, something to note here. Part of this relates to fear. We tend to get caught up in just doubling down on the work that we know, on the work that everybody else, you know, this is how everybody else does it. This is the way it's done. And so we double down on those types of things. Because we don't want to be different. We don't want people judging or questioning us if what we try to do or in the way that we try to do it doesn't work. We don't want to look dumb if we ask questions to ensure we're doing the right kind of work. Like I was early in my legal career, right? I didn't want to look stupid, so I didn't ask questions. And (laughs) guess what, y'all? I did look stupid at the end of the day. All of that is often based in fear. Fear of being judged, fear of speaking up, fear of what other people might think. And it's important to note that and acknowledge it. Because if we don't, you need to understand that when you push that away, fear ends up running you as opposed to you getting past your fears and doing anyway. And fear grows in that type of a mental environment, which is what I mean, it, it starts to drive you. Your fears will grow, you'll try to push them away, and then they just like drive you and make you less likely to ask questions, less likely to determine whether you're doing the right kind of work. More likely to just double down on what you've been doing over and over and over again, which y'all just leads to total exhaustion. It's not worth it. So you've got to face those fears. You've got to allow yourself to be uncomfortable, to admit and acknowledge what fears are there, to kind of think about, okay, they're there, but I'm going to do this anyway. So sometimes the right kind of work is harder than what you've been doing because there are fears around it. So let me give you an example from my current business where that happened to me. I have a mastermind for attorneys. You've probably heard about it before. And if you don't know what masterminds are, I love them. They're kind of a group experience where people get together and they work together towards a common goal. So this mastermind is specifically for lawyers in private practice who are trying to build or grow their business. And so the common goal that everybody has is business growth, right? Law practice growth. And the first time I decided to launch this, I had no major online audience. I only, you know, I'd been working through referrals at the time. 
And so I didn't know that many attorneys. Um, well, okay, I did know a lot of attorneys from my past you know, life as an attorney. But I didn't have a big newsletter list. I didn't have a big following. I didn't have this podcast. And I was like, okay, I need at least four to six people. How do I do this? Like, how do I get a group together? I think it'll work really well, but it's not very easy to know well, who would be interested in, in this type of thing. And so what I had to do initially was cold call people. Now, I wouldn't say it's cold calling in the sense that I was just cold calling lawyers out of the blue who I'd never met. I called people I knew from my past life, right? And I called and talked to a couple of clients who had been individual clients who I thought might be interested. But I got to tell you guys, it was super uncomfortable for me. Like, I, I don't like cold calling. It's not fun for me. I don't like that kind of sales. But it was the only way to get this group off the ground. I had to really face my fears. Because what I could have done, what I could have done was post on social media, post online, send a couple of emails to people, like general emails, and just waited to see if people came. And of course, I did those things, right? I did those things too. But I didn't have the following at the time to fill a group because something you may or may not know, you probably don't, you don't have an online business, but when it comes to online selling, you got to have a huge audience. So for example, even if you're just giving away a free workshop, like the one I mentioned earlier, you need to announce that to hundreds and hundreds of people just to get maybe 40 or 50 people to sign up. And let's say 50 people sign up, maybe 25 to 30% of them actually show up live. And out of that 25 to 30% live, let's say you offer them, um, you know, an offer to work with me. Maybe one or two people will take you up on it. I mean, the numbers are, they don't work great if you don't have a big following. And I had a very small one, like not much. So the only way I was really, and, and I filled that first group through the cold calls, through the calls that I made to former clients, current clients, and other former colleagues that I knew that I thought it might help. If I had not done that and had just done the social media, I wouldn't have filled it. It would never have gotten off the ground. It never would have happened. And so that's an example of I could have done the easy thing which is to stay behind my computer screen and just post stuff out there, send a couple of emails and call it a day and say, you know what, this is not going to work. Nobody's interested. But I didn't just do that. I decided to pick up the phone and call people. And I will tell you, one of the people that I called was a former client who I think I called probably seven or eight times before I heard back from her. I had almost given up, but I knew her well. She's a bankruptcy attorney. I knew how busy she probably was. I knew that she probably meant to get back to me. And so I kept at it. And I, let me just say, I didn't like spam her to death. <laughs> like it was over a course of four months that I called her that many times. And I think the final call was like, hey, look, I know you're busy. And maybe you're not interested in it at all. this at all. This is the last time I'm reaching out. But if you're interested at all and you want to chat, just give me a call. And guess what? The next day I heard from her and she joined the group. So that's an example of doing hard work. I could have done hard work that reaped zero rewards. I chose to do hard work that actually felt even harder because it dealt with fears, but it was the right kind of work 
that reaped bigger rewards. And what's interesting is, although it really was not fun to initially cold call people, and I probably only heard from 30, 35% of those people that I left messages for because lawyers don't often answer the phone when they don't know why you're calling them or who's calling. I heard back from some, I got some people live and heard back from, you know, a percentage of them. But the calls that I did have were so amazing. And many of them ended up not being a good fit or not interested, but they still wanted to know what I was up to. They referred people to me. I had wonderful conversations, things that never would have happened. I wouldn't have gotten, you know, back in their lives. And it was actually a really good lifeline for me to get back in front of some people and continue some relationships that, let's face it, we all get busy and running your own new business isn't exactly easy and is busy. You know, they were too. And so we'd lost touch. And so it, it ended up being a wonderful experience. But I had to first get over those fears and face that discomfort. So please note that oftentimes the right kind of work is going to exacerbate the fears you have. It's going to bring in doubts. I want you to get real honest about it because you're not going to get past it. You're not going to go do the right work if you don't. Okay, so let me give you another example. So I had a client who came to me one day and said, you know, I'm not happy with where I am anymore. I used to love it here, but I just don't feel good about about my role and what I'm doing. There were several things going on. Some of it was that she had progressed and was getting more senior and potentially going to be a partner soon. The transition was difficult for her. Some of it was some of the role models and mentors that she had had within the firm had left and were no longer there. And there was kind of a gap, a hole there. She didn't dislike the people who had remained, but some of the people she was closest to were gone. And after we coached around it, I think we took like two or three sessions on this to really dig deep around what was going on, what's really bothering you, why are you unhappy, what's the fix? When she first came to me, she assumed that it meant immediately that she needed to leave. I need to leave my firm and find a new firm that's a better fit. And I got to tell you, and I, if this is you, I want you to stop for a second and say, wait a second. It oftentimes... When we get into a situation where we feel like this just isn't working for me, we automatically assume it means we need a huge change. But that's not always the case. Again, this is an example of are you working on the right things? Are you seeing things clearly? Are you asking the right questions, right? You're going to work really hard, <laughs> really hard to find a new position with the right people, the right fit, the right culture, and then get into that place. And let's say it is a good fit and a good culture. It's going to take you a lot of hard work to integrate and to really become, you know, what you want in that new scenario. So before going down that road, it's always important to really dig deep and figure out, okay, what's really going on here? Do that hard work first. What's really going on here that's making me unhappy? Now, 
Sometimes you're in a toxic environment and you do need to leave. Sometimes it's really not a good cultural fit, okay? I had another client who came to me about a year ago and it very quickly became obvious that he was not in the right fit and that he did need to go to a different fit because culturally where he was didn't really fit his values and it wasn't ultimately the long-term place for him where he wanted to make partner and he definitely wanted to make partner. And so I helped him figure out, okay, what would be the right fit based on your values, based on your strengths, based on your personality, based on what you want. And he's now at a much better place. But with this particular person that I started with, she hadn't done any of that work. So we needed a couple of sessions to figure that out, which was hard work, by the way. But what she realized was that the people who left had left a gap, but there were others there that could potentially fill that role that she just didn't know as well. So she committed over the course of a couple of months to get to know them better, to really forge better relationships with them, to see what was going on. She also realized that she didn't feel like she was being heard in her current role, in her current place. But that part of that was because she had lost touch with those people who had left and hadn't replaced them. And so it wasn't just that she wasn't being heard, but she wasn't even speaking up to be heard. And so she knew she needed to strengthen some relationships, develop some new relationships, and start speaking up more to see if she would be heard. And then the third step was to then talk to some of these people who were more senior and figure out ways where she could utilize, better utilize her strengths because she felt like she kind of lost sight of some of that. And she identified ways where she could really step into new roles and new ways of handling her cases and, you know, how others treated her in the work that she did where she could utilize her strengths in a more beneficial manner in a way where she really felt like she was contributing. And lo and behold, fast forward about six or eight months, and she was incredibly happy, happy she stayed where she was, and was then offered partnership early. So these are examples of, you know, hard work isn't enough. Before, she was working really hard, but she was working hard on all the wrong things. And because she was working hard on all the wrong things, she was exhausting herself. She felt purposeless. She was no longer passionate about what she was doing or motivated to do what she had been motivated to do. She felt inadequate. But by stepping back, asking the right questions, really digging deeper, she started to realize there was a better way that she needed to work hard on the right thing. She needed to ask the right questions so that she started to do the right work in the right ways. Hard work in and of itself is not enough. It very much depends on the type of work you're doing. Are you doing the right work for the right reasons? That is the real question. Okay, before I let you go, again, this Thursday, September 15th, I am holding a free workshop that will be about one hour long where you will get to come and figure out how to do the right work when it comes to client development. 
The workshop is all about how to improve your client development ROI so that you can spend less time yet see better results. This is for you if you are in private practice and you want more clients, originations, and income, but you don't want to spend every waking hour to make that happen. It's also for you if you are tired of hearing about the much higher originations of a colleague or maybe even a partner down the hall who isn't even the best technical lawyer. If you are uncertain where to focus your efforts for maximum return, which means your approach is probably somewhat scattershot instead of strategic, you're definitely doing the wrong kind of hard work. And it's also for you if you are uncomfortable with pushy sales tactics, because hey, you went to law school to be a lawyer, not to sell. We are going to cover a couple of things, okay? We're going to cover the most common business development mistakes I see that cost lawyers time and how to correct them. We're going to cover how to create a very effective, simple client development plan that you're going to enjoy, which means more consistency. And again, it's simple, so it will save you time. We're going to cover how to sell effectively without the need for pushy sales tactics. We're going to cover how to grow your practice spending less time networking. Yes, networking is essential, but you don't probably have to spend nearly as much time as you think, and there is a way to be more organized, and I'm going to give you a simple tool to help you out with that. So if this is you, I highly encourage you to register for it. Again, it's this Thursday. It's around lunchtime. It's the 15th of September, 2022. If you are listening to this after the fact, don't worry. I will also have a link for how you can get a hold of the recording. But I highly recommend if you can be there live, that you do be there live because I'm going to spend about 40, 45 minutes teaching you all of these things and then you are going to have an, an opportunity to ask questions. So that is it for today. We will be talking again next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Life & Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a follower or subscriber, be sure to hit the follow and or subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both Life & Law, including the Life & Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.